You're listening to episode 61 of The STEM Space. Do you have a question? Today, we will be answering your questions that were posed in the STEM Space Facebook group. If you have a question that you'd love for us to answer about science, STEM, teaching, or whatever else, please contact us by either posting in the STEM Space Facebook group or commenting or DMing us in one of our socials. We'd love to hear from you. Let's get started. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hello, Claire. Hey. So I heard that you had a classroom observation last week. How did that go? Yes. So it's every teacher's favorite day when your boss comes in and watches you teach. (laughs) So I actually do really enjoy it because I love feedback. And since I write my own curriculum and I'm the one that figures out what we need to teach and everything, I really do want to know if I'm on par with what the expectations are. And to make sure that I am also helping my principal know what I do. So I taught a lesson on the planets. This is first grade that I had during the time that she was able to come and watch. And so we've been talking about misconceptions. And so we're at the point of this unit on space, of course, where we talk about misconceptions in every picture that you ever see about the solar system. There's always something wrong with it. And that's what I'm trying to get my students to understand is don't believe what you see because there's probably something wrong and you need to know what's right in order to know what is wrong. And so deep for a first grade class. (laughs) I got it. it. My daughter was one of the kids in the class. So I could gauge like, is this, is this on your level? So Mm -hmm. I kind of... New. I felt like I was in tune. So we do this activity that we have on our website about comparing the distances to the planets. And you use a plastic Easter egg, which is perfect for this time of year because you should have some leftover from Easter yeah. and they're cheap. And so the egg is the sun. And then you have a ribbon that's glued to the inside of the egg and you make it the same height as you. So all my students have to cut the string so that when they hold the egg on top of their head, the string goes all the way down to the floor. Mm-hmm. And then we start talking about fractions. It's like, hey, we're just going to talk about halves today. So you fold the string in half. I use that curly ribbon. So it's easier to make a crease so they can see where that crease is when they fold it in half. And every time we fold it in half, there's a planet that goes there. Mm-hmm. So when they hold the egg on top of their head at their feet is Neptune. So you fold it in half and that's where Uranus goes. Now, yes, Uranus is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, right. (laughs) And I emphasize that. But what's funny, and I couldn't control my face, and I don't know if my principal caught on, because this is first grade. I'm not going to point this out, but when you fold it in half, that's where your (laughs) midsection is. (laughs) And that's where Uranus goes. (laughs) But so many times, you know, because I try to help them remember where the planets are in relation to each other by saying, okay, hold it up to your body. Now see where this planet falls on your body. (laughs) Oh, are they, are they going to say it? Oh, I hope not. But it would also be kind of funny during my observation. Did your principal catch on at all? No, 
I kept looking like, is this going to be funny or should I keep it professional? I don't know if I should like wink at her. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it went really well, but that's always that's funny. like funny things that happen in the classroom that I didn't actually think about before the observation that this is, <laughs> this is going to be something that I'm going to have to walk them through without laughing. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that you get a different response the older the students get. Yeah, so I've never done this with junior high, but I'm sure that would be uh, hilarious. We, we derail right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, you would lose them for a bit, but or maybe captivate them. That's true. They'd remember it. That's so, right. You know, but so memorable lessons. I'm sure you have some stories of those kind of things. Yeah, I'm trying to think <laughs> if I want to share. <laughs> my stories. Um, well, I went to this kind of get together last night at my professor's house. So I'm going to share a story from another teacher. Okay. <laughs> and he's a... Sure. It's your I, friend, right? Your friend. Yeah, my friend. No one you hear the story, you know it's not me. Uh, so he's he was a high school chemistry teacher and he was teaching I don't know how he got away with this but this was his first year teaching and he was showing him how to make smoke bombs what <laughs> yeah and it was like in a very controlled environment and he thought it would be like a great way to teach I guess chemical reactions I don't know sure. and so this is like towards right this is towards the end of the year and he had was making him in a beaker that was like on the Bunsen burner and what he didn't realize in the process of making this it was leaving some residue in the bottom and he just kept making them and eventually this like residue caught on fire oh, and it no. started burning and he's like without any safety glasses he's like i wonder what that smell is and he puts his head no over the beaker and poof in that moment the thing sparks and he starts like freaking out thought he lost his eyebrows <laughs> but he was fine well around this beaker were 14 smoke bombs that all ignited Oh, no. At the same time, and smoke everywhere, smoke alarms go off, the whole school gets evacuated, <sighs> and they had the fire department come to try to air out the school, and it took, I think he said three days before <gasps> kids could return back to school because the smoke was oh, so intense. No. And he said for a week later, it smelled like lavender. I don't <laughs> know why. It must have been an ingredient. And the way he started the story was, I'm going to tell you about the time I met the superintendent of the district. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get fired. He still was, he actually became a celebrity uh, for his students. I okay. don't know about his admin, but there's his uh, funny story. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, I would imagine that that could go one or two extremes. So I'm glad it worked out well for him. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a great example of lab safety. Yeah. <laughs> of a lot of things. That, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. First year teaching though, I guess that's where you learn. Hopefully uh -huh. you don't have quite a dramatic as experience as him, but I just thought that was really entertaining. Well, so, I bet I could boost enrollment if I actually made bombs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, is that what you called it? <laughs> right. I'm sure he had some sort of chemical name when he was like writing up the curriculum to turn into his admin. <laughs> oh, today we're talking about uh, gaseous. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and actually, I think it was his mom's classroom 
I think he was, that was the year he was student teaching. And it was like, he lived in a really rural town. If that adds to the story, maybe that's why it was possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just kind of have your own rules and the principal's like, go for it. Yeah, we do. Right? <laughs> What's something, Claire, that you have done or will do that probably wouldn't fly in another district or school? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, pretty much anything that I want to do, I just do it. <laughs> so you have freedom. Uh, I have freedom. The only issue I have is when things cost more money than I'm willing to pay for myself. And then I have to ask permission to buy the things. But I mean, I've made all sorts of rockets. We've done all kinds of explosions. I've also used a fog machine, which was a bad idea inside. Hmm. But you know, yeah, I, I just have a lot more freedom. Also, I'm in my own building. There's like nobody else in my building. So I have no supervision. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> You know, and I love answering questions. So my students, we've talked about this before, but I have a brain building box. One of those metal mailboxes that has a key that has a slot at the top that you can buy off Amazon. And I have it outside my classroom door and students can write questions to me and stick it in there. So since we don't have time in class to answer all their questions, I will then post up the answers on my bulletin board that's right next to the box so that they can read the answers to their questions. And sometimes what their questions are, I'm like, ooh, we should do an experiment so I can prove it to you. Because if I just write it out, you're going to be like, what? So I really like the freedom to be able to allow my students to guide some of our learning. But sometimes they do ask questions like, what are the ingredients in a bomb? I've gotten that one before. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to give you that. (laughs) Right. I'm not really sure. Maybe a smoke bomb. That's, yes. Well, I've heard that goes poorly. So maybe. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It needs to be done with appropriate safety protocols. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot in the microwave, like exploding things in the microwave. That's always fun. Probably can't do in a shared space. Okay. Random thing that's related to spring and the recent Easter holidays. At work, we have a. Peep battle. Battle of the peeps. Do you I know this? We're going to say this. We call it peep jousting. Yeah. Peep jousting? <laughs> that sounds better. <laughs> Which is just fun. You want to explain how it works? It's been a while since I've done it, but it is highly entertaining because peep is a marshmallow. Yep. So it's basically pure sugar, which expands when you microwave it. And so you put, the way I do it is you pick your peep. Mm-hmm. And then the other team has their peep and you put a toothpick in the peep. So it's like a, what, what do you call that? A, a joust. A joust? <laughs> That's what I want to say. There's, there's, I'm sure a word for that. That probably makes sense. But we would say, oh, you know, pokey thing. You stick mm-hmm. the pokey thing in the peep so that they're facing each other. And then you turn on the microwave. I don't remember how long, not too long. because it It's will pretty explode. quick. Yeah. <laughs> but as they expand, one of the peeps will end up poking the other peep first. And that's yeah. who wins. Yeah. There you go. So entertaining science experiment <laughs> for adults. Like we just do this at work. We always have like this peep joust battle for no reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. You can do so much with like actual science with peeps in the microwave. 
maybe this is something we should post about. I'm sure yeah. there's instructions out there because you can actually prove where the microwaves are going through your peeps because on a microwave, it tells you all of the, like the wattage and everything. And you can actually measure where those wavelengths are of the microwaves and you'll know where the peeps are going to be melted after a certain period of time. And then you can take it out and be like, yeah, the wave's going to go through the peep at every three inches or something. And then you can take it out and be like, yes, yeah, see, it's melted every three inches. It's pretty cool because students cool. really don't understand like, what is a microwave? Oh, it's just this device. And they're like, no, it uses microwaves. There's waves of energy mm -hmm. that are going through your food. Which is <laughs> and that's why it has weird. to spin. Yep. And so that can be even because it, it won't. So. Yeah. And that they just think of it as like a box that heats my food, you know, where you have like an oven that's more intuitive, right? Like it's heating up the air that's cooking the food, but this is like, no, the waves, yes. <laughs> the energy, the science yeah. of how your food's getting heated. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Okay. So what I would like to do on this podcast is address some questions that we have gotten in our Facebook group called the STEM space, which is a bunch of educators that can come together and share resources and ask questions. So Claire, would you like to help me address some of these questions? I have not seen them. You have Go not. Go ahead. Okay. So the first one is from Amanda. And she asks, I'm always looking for new additions to my STEAM classroom. What are some must-haves for you? And she lists a few. She has Kiva planks, brain flakes, magnetiles, okay. straw connectors, and then lists a couple robots, Dash and Sphero, Telodrones. That sounds cool. Hmm. Um, and a lot of consumables. So Claire, you have a lot of stuff in your room. What are your must-haves? I do have a lot of stuff. It depends on what the focus is of your STEM classroom, whether it's more engineering based, which is a lot of what I do, or more technology. It sounds like she does robots. I have really enjoyed having a green screen in my room. So I have a big curtain that's green and we use that for a variety of things, not just as a green screen, but to divide up the room if we're doing something that we want to work on communication without being able to see your partner. So green screen is a, is a great one. Let's see. Um, if you don't have a maker space, but she said she has a lot of consumables. So I think tools, that's like the biggest thing that is overlooked. I think in a STEM classroom is learning how to use certain tools. So different kinds of cutting tools for cardboard. There's always those canary cutters that are amazing. Um, hot glue guns, of course, learning how to solder and do a lot of uh, paper circuitry stuff, I think is ideal. If you haven't used snap circuits, that's a great way to introduce how to get into circuitry. Uh, what else have you used, Natasha? Well, I think about other things. Yeah. I mean, I have to do a shout out to the Pitsco straw rocket launcher. Oh, that's a must. <laughs> yeah. We use that all the time, Yeah, which is surprising because you think, how often can you do straw rockets? It's like all the time. <laughs> right. And there's so many different ways you can use it. And depending on your learning goal, if you want some math put in there or mm -hmm. you want to talk about the science and the forces. So I think that's a good one. And I've been really trying to shift to non-consumables. We do a lot of STEM family nights and it used to be catapults and roller coasters, which would be boxes of like paper and paper plates. And I felt bad having, you know, to throw this out every STEM night. 
So she mentioned um, like straw connectors and magnetiles. I think those are great. So other tools that we can just reuse, but for different challenges. Yes. And I have a set of blocks as well that are kind of like the Kiva planks, except they were meant to be, I forget what it's called. I'll have to link it in the show notes, but it's basically to make Rube Goldberg machines. So you make them like dominoes and it comes with other little devices that will spin or ring a bell and knock over things. And we actually use those quite a bit to talk about different simple machines, as well as forces in motion. We do a lot about Rube Goldberg. So also having like marbles and ping pongs, I use ping pongs all the time, Mm, all kinds of challenges. So yeah, definitely things like that, that you can use over again for different types of things. Zoob. Do you have Zoob in your class? I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Zoob Builders, mm-hmm. uh, Legos, yeah, obviously. Classic. Need Legos. You need it. <laughs> and then, I mean, she didn't mention it. She probably has it, but like tablets, iPads, mm-hmm. computers, like the tech stuff. I think there's a lot you can do. She also had a follow-up question. She's looking for a replacement for Google Expeditions Augmented Reality. Have you ever used that? I have. Not really in my classroom as much just because I don't have the means to do that mm-hmm. the more than just yeah. one student at a time. So yeah. Because they took it away. Like it's no longer available. And we oh, had a okay. whole STEM night station using Google expeditions and mm-hmm. we had like the little phones with the headset and they've done away with it, but you can do, there's a lot of YouTube videos that are like 360 videos that are kind yes. of like exploring different places So we can link in the show notes some other resources to kind of replace the expeditions. There's other cool AR tools and websites. Yes. NASA has a lot of them, especially where you can go through the International Space Station and things like that. Ooh, another thing I have in my classroom. It's not really a a tool, but it's like it's something that has been a fascination for my students and a great talking point as we jump into different things, Hmm. which I didn't expect. It's I have the ISS above. which connects to a live camera feed from the International Space Station. So I just turn on the TV every now and then, and we get to watch where the International Space Station is flying over. So we get to see video footage of all over the world and what the weather looks like. And it's it's really cool. So it's showing footage from the ISS, like looking down on Earth. It connects directly to a camera that's on the ISS that points down at Earth. I thought it was more you could just track it so you knew its location, but I didn't realize that it had actual footage and that is so cool. Yes. And then you can track. So it'll tell you where it is. It'll tell you when the next visible pass will be over you. And it's connected to a um, Raspberry Pi that you do kind of program a little bit. Not really. You, It's all very user-friendly and you input something that will actually send a message up to the ISS if it passes over your school saying hello from wherever your school is and they sometimes will tweet that be like hey we just passed over so-and-so's school because that is so cool it's it's amazing and students really don't understand how far up the iss is and so when you see these pictures like that's the earth they're like how come you can't see the whole earth i'm like it's not that far away Mm. so it's that's been a really fun tool if you can get uh somebody to give that to your classroom Uh, that's cool. Okay. So now I'm going to ask the second question. That's a, I'm going to need your creative mind, Claire. Okay. This is from Victoria. 
Hi everyone, I would love some ideas on how to successfully involve my STEM class in the build of a large puppet, similar to Ghost of Christmas yet to come, for a school production. The design brief is that needs to be operated by two to three students, draped in material for two actors to hide and reveal themselves, removed from stage easily. Eyes and masks could light up. We would have to make the mask and possibly the hands. If anyone has done this before or has any suggestions, I would love to hear. Wow. <laughs> Please don't do this, Claire. Oh. But... I see your wheels turning. <laughs> But that was just a design challenge and she listed all the constraints. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. It actually sounds really awesome. I would have never thought of this idea as a design challenge. Well, first off, why is she asking other teachers? She should be asking her students because they will come up with an idea. And... and that's what she's asking is how can she involve her STEM class in this build? And so maybe that's the problem is <gasps> she's okay. trying to kind of do it on her own. I don't know. Yeah, she should ask them. I want, does it say what age? Nope. Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah. So I would get a whole bunch of PVC, some not very thick, uh, not very wide diameter PVC and a PVC cutter and some wire. Because I can see how you can make this movable and make it like move as it rolls yeah. by just making the wires move up and down with the PVC. And then you can use circuits like paper circuits to make things light up with leds and i wonder yeah. if she has the students if she wants to pick the materials that might be the best for this one mm -hmm. and then have the class each design their own ideas and we talked in another podcast of how you could have like teams merge and like share ideas so i think she should put this on them to yes. design it because she's just saying how can i involve them in the build well the no. design is like the critical piece what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she needs to just pitch this to the students. So adding the constraint of what materials they have available, I think that's the big one. Mm -hmm. But she should totally make them design it because they'll come up with something way more creative than she probably could or that I could. Yeah. So. And you could even have them, I don't know if this is possible, but do like a small prototype. And yes. that's actually showing them the full design process because first we have a prototype where we usually end in our class, but now then you build the real thing. So you have like the mini version and then like the final product. Yes. Oh, that sounds like a really fun challenge. I hope that they get that yeah. done. And, let and now us I know. kind of want you to do it, Claire. <laughs> I'm actually thinking that might be fun. I'll squeeze that in. <laughs> yeah. Between all of your rocketry stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end with one more by Jillian. Her ask is big impression, quick STEM challenge for adults and children attending a school showcase. So I think she wants to show off her STEM program. And so she wants something like, wow, this is cool. I want to know more. Ooh. Okay. Man, it's hard to narrow things down. Yeah, it depends on like your program. What I've found works is if it's a showcase, like it should be showcasing the kids' work. Yeah. Maybe she use the puppet idea. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the puppet they designed. But I think she wants it hands-on because she's saying a quick STEM challenge. Yeah, I feel like there should be a hybrid of doing a quick STEM challenge with the attendees. 
and then like showing videos of her kids doing it. Yeah. Maybe even to a greater extent than she has the attendees do it. Mm-hmm. So that can be a variety of challenges from catapults to lander challenge that we've talked about a lot to even straw rockets. Cause that's always mm-hmm. a fun one with the Pitsco launcher. And if you're doing rockets, you should, what I've done with STEM nights is we have a real rocket launch to kick mm-hmm. off the showcase, which is like the best way to do it. And they go inside and do the STEM challenges. Yeah. Wow factor with an SD's rocket for sure. Mm-hmm. Another thought is making it a competition. The parents kind of get really into this sometimes. Mm-hmm. So with if you have robots, the sphere of robots we've done, um, we talked about jousting earlier, <laughs> kind of that idea where you put like push pins and stuff on the robots. Like first you put a cup that you attach pointy things to, and then it has to go <laughs> pop a balloon at the end, um, like on the wall or something. That's always really fun. Or building something and trying to make it really tall, like different ways you can have it as a competition. Yes, definitely. With adults, you should make it a competition. They get really into it. And then the kids are like, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And then they will talk to them about Upstairs Downstairs Brain, which is another podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Teach their parents. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, but definitely look at what your program is and what is it that you want to convey or what do you want more support for? And that's what you should focus on. Because if it's not, if there's a disconnect, then you're not really helping anybody. Right. And having them understand that what they're doing in this like quick STEM challenge isn't what exactly the kids would do because you only have five, 10 minutes, you know, to kind of do something. The other piece is having the students lead the challenge. So they're the Mm -hmm. ones teaching the parents. If the kids have done it in your classroom and they're the ones running this booth, that's pretty powerful. Oh, that's a great idea. And maybe having the kids lead a reflection time at the end. And have their parents reflect and be like, so what did you get out of it? And the kids can say, what was the hardest part of this challenge? Or justify your design decisions based on the science <laughs> concepts you learned. Yes. And that's where you see them sweat. <laughs> oh, I like this. I'm going to, I'm going to try this. That'd be awesome. <laughs> a parent night. Right? Yeah. Parent nights are just the best. We're on number 18 for the semester with my work in San Antonio. And the feedback I keep getting is more people are attending than they expected. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. with the pandemic and everything being shut down, parents kind of missed that connection with the school. And so now they are coming out and they are ready to like engage and be hands-on with these activities. And so it's been really fun to see those come back because we took a two-year break, which was really sad because it was one of these, it was so fun to, you know, see the families come together and to break down any misconceptions that a lot of parents have about STEM and what it means. And it's just something like silly is one version, but the other one is that's not for my kid. And then they see their daughter, especially doing the robotics and the rockets. And then if you bring in community partners as representing the field, like, hey, I'm an aerospace engineer, your daughter can do it too. It's pretty cool. That's so true. So you're you're from 18 this year? Mm -hmm. Is there a better time to do a parent night? Like a beginning of the year, midway, at the end? We have two, no, three peaks. So we have October. And then December, like as the year is winding down, and then now, before testing, because now we're about to get into testing here. Mm. 
And so it was like March and early April, we were slammed with like three or four events a week. And okay. so, so I think it depends on the school and the school culture because they don't want to like interfere with testing. The beginning of the year is nice though, because it kicks off your program and it gets parents excited and helps build relationships with parents. End of the year is nice because you have relationships with the kids and then you can involve them in the STEM night and they're probably more likely to attend because then you can have a student showcase so they can show off whatever project mm. they're working on. So I would say it depends. Like with Space Club, I did it twice in a year. I would have one in the beginning. Come to Space Club. It's so epic. Here's the cool stuff we do. And it was all new and exciting. And then at the end, it was about the kids showing off their projects. Okay. I was about to say, sounds like I need three. Or three. <laughs> or end the year. Or monthly. Yeah, month well. <laughs> And as long as there's food there, the people will come. That's true. <laughs> yes. Okay. And there we do have a podcast episode where you talked in detail about STEM family nights. Mm -hmm. So we'll definitely have to link that because that was some great information as I prepare to do one eventually <laughs> next year. Now is the time to start planning. So Claire, what is happening next in your STEM classroom? With my middle schoolers, we will be launching water bottle rockets. So that's also a Pitsco kit. Thankfully there's a kit because at this yeah. time of the year, I need that kind of help and support and grant. I got a grant to be able to purchase all the materials and it's easy when it all comes from one place. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll be doing water bottle rocket launches as a competition because I will make them be able to change some of the parameters and not just follow the instructions because that's not real engineering. So we'll be doing that. I'm flying drones with some of my classes. I have a project where my fourth graders will be learning about how to do holograms. Have you seen that challenge that I, I love to do? Yes. Where they build a, make this hologram. They use a green screen and record them presenting something like they're trying to encourage people to come to their exhibit or their museum. And then they have to build a structure that goes on top of it. So this hologram is like this, uh, uh, what shape would that be? I should know this. It's like a prism. Uh, some kind of prism. It's like a 3D trapezoid. What is that called? It's a pyramid, but it doesn't oh. have the top. I don't know. It's upside down. Anyway. Sorry, no help. <laughs> Geometry. And so you put it on top of a tablet and then you play your video on the tablet. It projects it onto all four sides of this clear plastic shape that you've made. And it looks really cool. And then they have to build a structure that balances on top of it. So it's like making a miniature prototype of what the future of museums might look like. I'll, I'll link to it. We have a, a product on TPT that shows exactly how to do it, but I'm really excited to do that with my fourth graders. Um, I know this time of year, you're supposed to be winding down, but I get really excited about all the stuff that we get to do. And you've built those relationships with your students at this point. And so hopefully a lot of the behavior issues have kind of worked themselves out and you're like, now like, let's do the cool stuff. Yes. Yes, definitely. So lot, nice. lots more to do in the next month. <laughs> Yeah. Well, good luck with all of that as you wind down the year. <laughs> we definitely need a future podcast on all things rockets. Mm. Um, we'll link down below. There's a ton of free resources on our website. And then I want to hear about this water bottle rocket competition because that's a really good one. Oh, yeah. With your students. So anyway, well, good talking to you. I hope that we answered some of these questions in a way that was helpful, but those were some really fun <laughs> questions. I love the puppet one. Keep them coming. Yeah. 
please keep them coming. Tag us or join our Facebook group, The STEM Space. But for now, STEM Space out. Thank you.